Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com on uh, Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, we're kind of everywhere. Oh, also on the audio-only live stream at MichaelDukeShow.com as well. Uh, good morning, and how are you? Oh, by the way, we're also broadcasting on terrestrial radio across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, The Michael Duke Show, Tuesday edition, Tuesday. It's I'm all messed up. I thought it was Monday, but no, it's Tuesday. And that, my friends, is the beauty of a uh, three-day weekend. Uh, you get the four-day work week on the other side. I mean, the only thing better is a five-day weekend with a three-day work week. But, hey, we can't have everything, can we? We can't have everything. All right. Um, good morning and welcome to the program. We've got a, a, a packed show for you today. Joining us on the program this morning, as usual, for our Tuesday roundup, is uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets founder and director, Brad Keithley, who will be coming on board to talk with us about uh, uh, to talk with us about uh, all the good stuff, including this morning we're going to cover the resignation of the revenue commissioner. What does that mean? Also, the support for Alaska LNG by our uh, senatorial delegation and a discussion on uh, who pays when it comes to improvements. In uh, well, in Anchorage, but we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, deeper here this morning uh, as well. We'll get into some of those headlines in just a moment. Some of the headlines that are fit to print from uh, around the state over the weekend, as you probably know by now, if you've listened to the program, I uh, have a tendency to disconnect from the entire world on the weekends because that's my time for uh, myself and my family, and so we're going to try and get you caught up here uh, in, the, uh, in the meanwhile. We'll try, and, uh, we'll try and do that. In hour two of the broadcast, we're going to be joined by none other than Chris Story, who is, um, who is our PMA guru. He's the wizard of positivity, so it's going uh, to be good stuff. And uh, we're going to get our uplift for the week from Chris, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to talking with him an hour or two. Um, it's the one segment of the week that I need, whether you need it or not. I definitely need it, and so we're going to uh, we're going to dive into it with uh, Chris' story here <clears throat> in hour two and get the full rundown on what he's thinking for the future of Alaska. So. Um, I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was restful. 
the one thing that I forgot to do this weekend, I will tell you this for nothing. I was going to do some barbecue and, uh, and I just, I just, I had a lot of things going on, had a lot of stuff happening and, uh, I just forgot to put it all together. So I guess that means that this next weekend is going to be the barbecue time. But, uh, anyway, it's, uh, I guess if that's the, if that's my biggest, uh, if that's my biggest complaint or disappointment or uh, failure over the weekend, then I guess I'm okay with it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, looking forward to seeing what the rest of this week is going to bring. All right. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's get in on the headlines, shall we? Should we, should we sit down and figure out what some of the big stories are for today? Um, I think the most interesting thing that um, I was watching late last night and this morning as I was trying to get prepped uh, for this morning's show was the uh, was this continued uh, a battle uh, and and fist fight uh, amongst conservatives um, for who is going to be the most um, viable candidate for the U.S. Congress seat. Uh, we saw Sarah Palin. She held a press conference uh, yesterday uh, at her home out there in Wasilla, urging uh, Republican Nick Baggage to drop out of the race. Um, and there, there is an interesting piece in um, Must Read Alaska. If you haven't seen it yet, it was written by Donna Celia, who, uh, according to the byline, is... Uh, just a mother of two who lives in Anchorage. So I mean, that I'd never heard of her, uh, but she had some good things to say, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, she talked about um, she references back in a, to a previous uh, uh, column where she talks about never Paliners, which sounds a lot like never Trumpers, uh, and uh, and she she uh, goes through the numbers of the entire race here. And basically talks about the same thing that we talked about the day after this was brought out. And the fact is, is that we had almost 20 something percent of Nick Begich's voters uh, in their second round of votes vote for Mary Peltola. Uh, but the most interesting part of that, of course, is that there were about 11,243 votes that voted for no one uh, except for Nick Baggage. Now, they could have been ranked as anti-ranked choice voting guys, or they could have just been, again, didn't want Sarah Palin or whoever. But these bullet voters accounted for a huge component of that win against uh, Sarah Palin. Because when it was all said and done, um, those votes could have meant the difference between success uh, and failure uh, of the of the Palin campaign. Now she goes through here and breaks down all the different scenarios of what could happen in which way and everything else. But she comes out at the very bottom with what I think is a strong case um, uh, for uh, <clears throat> voting for Nick Baggage as number one and Sarah Palin as number two, not ranking Peltola. Now my argument would be that if you're going to rank a third, you rank Chris By the Libertarian, but. That's just me. In the middle of the article, she takes a strong uh, turn uh, over into the discussion about the governor. 
Um, and she talks about the governor's position being up for up for grabs and how important this election will be to the future of Alaska elections. She says, and uh, I quote, if Les Guerra or Bill Walker get into the governor's seat in November, your hopes of dumping ranked choice voting will be dashed. The system is their dream come true. They'll never agree to eliminate it. So for the for those conservatives who want to see RCV disappear, strategizing your vote will be the penultimate necessity in November. Do not squander it on petty squabbles, such as, yeah, but Charlie Pierce is more MAGA than Mike Dunleavy. Um, to, to which I thought, boy, that would not be something that I would... Uh, I would never say that Mike that, that Charlie Pierce is more MAGA than Mike Dunleavy, um, but <clears throat> her whole call here is basically: if you get it wrong in November on the governor's race, we'll never see ranked choice voting go away. And I would not disagree with that at all. Um, and so it's either got to be Dunleavy one and Pierce two, or Pierce one and Dunleavy two, one or the other, and not ranking Walker or Guerra. And I believe that that is a strong statement for why we need to rank the red in uh, in the governor's race, as well as most of the other races uh, coming up in November. Um, the headline, by the way, of this article is uh, that uh, for conservatives to win in November, we must lay down our arms and become strategic voters. And... Uh, I think we've been making that argument here on the program for quite a while. You've got you can't you can't think about this in terms of one candidate. You've got to be more um, concise in what you're doing and what you're talking about, and you've got to focus in on what you want in uh, more of the long term than in the one and done short term. So it's going to be a interesting. Uh, it's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that lays out. Uh, but this piece in the must read is a good is a good primer for you to go check it out and uh, take a look at it. Now, as I mentioned, Sarah Palin uh, continued to pull out all the stops. She called a hastily uh, uh, put together Labor Day news conference at her home in Wasilla after finishing second to Peltola. Um, the Alaska Republican Party, according to the ADN, is encouraging Alaskans to rank the red for the ranked choice voting general election. In an Instagram post on Monday morning, complete with a white flag of surrender, Palin wrote that, quote, Republicans must unite and, quote, I know when to take one for the team. Now, I don't know exactly what that I know when to take one for the team. Then she goes on to say, I'm calling out negative Nick baggage to get out of this race. He does not represent the best in Alaska. He represents the good old boys networks, the establishment, and yes, the liberals, the liberals in the Democratic Party. Only a Democrat sympathizer would selfishly stay in this race after getting thumped three times. Three times in a row by his GOP opponent just to enable a Democrat to hold the Alaskan's people's seat in the United States House of Representatives. So, this, okay, I mean, so only a Democrat. I mean, it's like it's the worst epitaph you could ever have. Only a Democrat and a Democrat sympathizer. Now, here's the irony of the whole situation. And yes, I know it's the, the, the fact that it's just totally after criticizing baggage at length and questioning his background. 
She said Alaskans are, quote, disgusted by all this negative campaigning, unquote. But she had to speak up about Begich's lies about her family and the record. So she understands that, I mean, they were definitely not. <laughs> that Alaska, look, I mean, that's the thing. These guys, they both went negative and they're just pissing people off left and right. I mean, that's part of the problem, right? They are just, they're just irritating people. You want to know why you had 11,000 bullet voters? Well, that could be part of it right there. You want to know why you had, you know, 12 or 13 or 20,000, however many it were, vote for Mary Peltola? Well, that's part of your problem is right there. Later on yesterday, the baggage campaign issued a statement saying he was staying in the race. We're confident that we're on a positive trajectory to win in November. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it is, uh, It you know, again, it breaks it out that about half of baggage voters in the special congressional election voted for Palin as their second choice, with a quarter voting for Peltola and about 20% who did not rank their second choice at all. So I guess if my word to anybody out there is, that, look, if you guys want any kind of conservative, and I'm not saying that there's a great choice of candidates in this whole race, but if you want any kind of conservative, you're going to have to swallow your pride a little bit here and at least rank them one and two. And maybe, again, Chris Bai is three. Right? I mean, I'm just saying one, two, and three. And then Paltola, you just don't rank her. If, if that's what, I mean, it's all, it's all you got to do. But man, everybody is so, I mean, again, I think Donna Celia said in the beginning, I thought she said, Alaska conservatives are doing what they always do. Less than a week after our eye-popping defeat in the special election, Alaskan conservatives are still squabbling over, quote, who is more conservative than whom, unquote. Yeah, that's part of the problem. This is, again, circling the wagons and shooting inward. When are we going to learn? I mean, blah. Anyway, it's uh, interesting. We'll continue. We got more coming up. The Michael Luke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Coming up in just a moment, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Don't go anywhere. We'll return right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Or we could just vote Chris number one and then vote Nick and then vote Sarah. I mean, I, that's fine. I mean, it's that's exactly what I did in the primary and that's exactly uh, what I will be doing or the special. And that's I'm sure that's exactly what I'll be doing in the general. Because, I mean, at that point. You know, all the votes are going to trickle up, I guess. Let me go back here to see what's going on here. Um, see what you guys uh, have to say going through the thing. Uh, I made the what? You made the landfill blog. Oh, did I make it to Jeff Landfield's the, the, 
uh, what is that, Alaska landmine? Uh, did I make it into there? Last time I made it into there, it was some kind of hit piece on me from, I don't know, some financial stuff in my past, like 15 or 20 years ago that he was trying to make a, a, a some hay over, which, I mean, hey, uh, it's not like I've, uh, it's not like I was surprised by it. Let me see here. Uh, um, oh, here we go. Yeah. So Governor Mike Dunleavy, uh, former Bill Walker, former Governor Bill Walker, uh, we're at the stage for the governor's race. Republican Charlie Lee Pierce was not, not on stage. Um, uh, he says, I stand by reporting for the real reason he resigned, saying that he recently learned that he had personally hired a lawyer for the mess he was in. Mark my words, this is all going to come out. Suzanne Downing, Michael Dukes, other Pierce defenders, and Pierce himself are all going to look extremely dumb when it comes when it does. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I've been wrong before. I might be wrong again. So, you know, or maybe you'll look dumb. I don't know, Jeff. I, you know, I just whatever. Um, I mean, it's politics. I've been wrong like every day of the week on politics. This is more of a guessing game than anything else at this point, especially with the ranked choice voting stuff. By the way, nothing could be dumber than you and a Speedo. So I'm just saying that's, uh, you know, uh, if you want to throw that out there. Um, let's see. Joe Wright, Clayton Trotter dropped out. It's so only McCarthy and Merrick in that race. That's good. Yeah, I haven't seen the list of everybody who dropped out yet. All right, let me get over to the let me get over here before I say something really stupid. Let's get over here to uh, Brad Keithley and see what he has to say. Hey, what's what's happening there? I'm I'm now visualizing everybody in the speedos. I'm having a, that that sort of ruined my morning. I know that was kind of like uh, you know he says everybody's going to look stupid because I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Well, good for you. I mean. I mean, who knows at this point? All I can all I can report on is what is being reported in the public, and uh, and uh, I mean, who knows at this point? Like I said, uh, I had been uh, I had had a discussion with somebody in the Pierce campaign two months ago that he was thinking about uh, dropping out to focus on the race, and it finally happened. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It's politics. Um, what what are you gonna do? That was a, that was a good opener, by the way. That was a good opening segment. I liked uh, oh. I liked how you uh, leveraged up on the uh, on the article in Must Read. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's a. I I was surprised. I don't know who Donna Celia is, but she's got some. She's got a good handle on it. That's for sure. She ran the. She ran some different numbers and some different scenarios, and it was very well put together. So, I'm always happy to leverage other people's work for the show. You know what can what can you say? We'll uh, we'll do what we can do. How but, I, but I can't. But I can't believe you didn't barbecue. I, I mean, can't. I know. I know. Three like, days. Three Terry, days. Terry and I were talking yesterday, and I'm like, I can't believe we didn't get any chicken, and I didn't. She goes, Oh man. Wow. And then we didn't do it anyway. So I made crab I made crab louis sandwiches and away we went. So it was all good. Um it was all all good. Um you ready to dive into this? We're about forty seconds out. I am. Okay, good. Uh Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, gonna be joining us here. 
Uh, well, he is joined with us right now. We're going to continue with him here in just a hot second. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Are you sharing the show? Are you liking the show? Are you hitting the subscribe button and ringing the bell? You should be if you're not. And my God, that was loud. Let me turn that down so we don't blow, blow our eardrums out. Here we go. Common Sense Radio, let's do it. All right, welcome back to the program. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us uh, every Tuesday to talk about uh, what we call the weekly top three, the top three things that are important to us. And today we got some interesting ones for sure. We're going to start off here with Brad and talk a little bit about the resignation of the uh, Commissioner of Revenue. Now, you'll be, if you've been paying attention, you realize that this is the third or fourth commissioner that has resigned here in just the last few months. And uh, I don't know what that portends, but we'll see what Brad has to say. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great this morning. How about you? You know, it's a, it, I just had a beautiful three-day weekend. If it could have been a four-day weekend, that would have been so much better. Um, but it is what it is, and here we are uh, diving back into it. We've just rolled our sleeves up, and we're nose to the grindstone, baby, nose to the grindstone. So uh, first things first, uh, the Linda Mahoney, uh, the uh, resignation of the uh, the uh, commissioner of the Department of Revenue, and you've got some thoughts on this. And again, I want to ask the question of what does it mean in the scheme of all the commissioners who have resigned, Corey Feige and more? Does that have any significance in your mind? Let's talk a little bit about it here and get your uh, get your hot take. Well, let's 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 take the broader issue here a little bit later. But I, I want to talk specifically about the commissioner of Revenue first. Lucinda Mahoney, um, not many people have heard of her along the way. She's not, uh, she's not given a lot of high profile speeches and she's not, uh, not really been out in front. She was for a while uh, when the, uh, the legislator, legislature's uh, uh, fiscal working group uh, was meeting. She made a couple of presentations before them. But other than that, she's not been out there in front. But the, the, the revenue commissioner is a, is a critical part, in my view, uh, of, of how government operates and, and how government affects uh, Alaskans. There's, there's two parts to the, to the job. One is the day-to-day -day administering the revenue code, administering the department, administering the various, uh, various aspects of, uh, of what the department does, and, and that's certainly important. But to me, the bigger issue is, uh, is, is what the commissioner does in terms of setting the agenda or setting the tone or or looking at opportunities, looking at issues going forward and trying to uh, trying to anticipate them and, and be responsive to them. It is, it, it is incumbent, I think, on a commissioner to think about the long-term, to think about ways in which revenue can be gathered more equitably than it is at any given point in time with a lower impact on the economy, uh, with, a, with more uh, uh, a softer uh, take uh, from Alaskans and from Alaska government uh, for Alaska government and and constantly be thinking about how to improve more equitable, lower impact, how to improve uh, uh, the the impact of, of revenue on uh, on day to day Alaska life and day to day Alaska 
uh, business. And hopefully she's been doing that behind the scenes. When, when, we, when we saw you know, the tip of the iceberg, maybe when she did the presentations to the Legislative Fiscal, uh, Fiscal Policy Working Group, there was some indication in, in those presentations that there had been a lot of spade work done in thinking about the future. Uh, when the fiscal policy, uh, when the fiscal model that the Department of Revenue has developed uh, was first developed and, and has been posted, updated in April, um, there's an indication there that there's a, been a lot of thought given about ways to do the Alaska revenue uh, system better. Of course, it depends on the governor. I mean, the governor ultimately has to approve uh, whatever changes are going to be recommended by the Commissioner of Revenue. But the Commissioner of Revenue really needs to dig in and think about that issue and make recommendations to the governor, even if behind the scenes, make recommendations to the governor and be prepared to to make recommendations and to talk through with the legislature better ways of doing it uh, going forward. We're in a situation right now where we've become entirely dependent on revenue from for oil and from PFD cuts. Right. We, we've, we've got the other half of, of, of Hammond's uh, fiscal plan, the the half intended for government, that's spending into government. But but the additional amount uh, we're taking right now is coming out of middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. There are much better ways to do that. There are much more equitable revenue approaches. There are much lower impact on the Alaska economy uh, revenue approaches out there. Um, and and the revenue commissioner is the person, is, is, is the person responsible in government uh, for spending those up. So it, it's important to me, it's, I think it's important to Alaskans, it's important to me from a policy standpoint that, that we get somebody in there who not only can administer the department on a day-to-day basis um, and you know make the decisions that need to be made about appeals and all that sort of stuff that's going on under the revenue code, but somebody who's a leader and a, and a thought leader in pushing forward on thinking about different ways, better ways to develop revenue. If we're not going to bring spending down, and you and I have talked on the show a lot about that and the fact that there's a lack of political will, and even in this election cycle, there's a lack of political will really right. talking about bringing spending down to the levels. If we're not going to bring spending down, we need to be thinking about more equitable approaches to developing revenue. Some of that is looking at the old tax code and see if there's additional uh, uh, pieces there that, uh, that can be changed to increase the revenue. Uh, some of it is looking at uh, uh, alternatives to uh, uh, better ways to raise corporate revenue. Uh, we've not done, we're not doing a particularly good job there either. I mean, we've got this huge Hillcorp loophole uh, that's letting Hillcorp get away with paying $100 million less in taxes than than uh, than BP did just because of, the, of its corporate, corporate form. Uh, but there's also better ways if we're going to raise money from individuals, and that's what we're doing through PFD cuts. If we're going to raise revenue through it from individuals, there's also better ways of doing that. And the revenue commissioner is where that buck stops. It stop, it, it, it is their responsibility, I think, to develop those better ways, to recommend them to the governor. The governor ultimately has to propose them, and you have to have a governor that's, that's, that's responsive to them and, and will consider them and push them. You have to have a legislature that's willing to enact them, but you have to have a revenue commissioner who's willing to do the spade work to develop them uh, and put them out there in front of the governor and put them out there in front of the legislature and explain them and push them uh, uh, to, uh, to, achieve, to achieve that more equitable approach. 
And I and that's the revenue commissioner. So right. I think I think I think getting the right person in there uh, going well, forward, if the Dun, if the Dunleavy administration continues, I think the, getting the right person in there is critical. So I mean, now that you've laid out all the groundwork for that, do you have? I mean, are there any suggestions? Any waiting in the wings? Any uh, you know any any picks? If you're gonna, I mean, this is like I feel like we're doing fantasy football here. But I mean, is it are there any picks that you would like to see in that position? Um, if you had the dream team, I mean, who would it be? What are your thoughts? Oh, I don't. Um, it, Brian Fector, if you read, uh, if you read Landfield's entire column from Sunday, he has, uh, I think he mentions Brian Fector in that column or maybe another, uh, as, uh, as one of those having, uh, having the inside track. Brian is currently the deputy commissioner, uh, of revenue. Brian was in OMB, I think. If Donna's if Donna's listening, she can confirm or deny that. But I think Brian was in OMB at one point. Um, and uh, and has done a, a, a very good job. He was responsible several uh, iterations ago for developing the 10-year plan. Uh, and I thought he did an excellent job developing the 10-year plan. And the 10-year plan is where the administration looks out over the next 10 years and talks about the issues that they're facing, talks about spending uh, trajectories, talks about revenue trajectories, and tries to lay out the uh, lay out the options. And I thought Brian was, I thought that 10-year plan that Brian did uh, was a particularly good one in terms of being transparent and talking about all of the all of the different issues. So he demonstrated in that 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 he's got a good grip uh, on uh, on on the various pieces, and, right. and that's the type of person that's the type of person you need. But there may be others, and I don't I don't mean to I, I don't mean to give Brian the kiss of death if if, right. if that's it. If, brought, if my endorsement would do that. You mentioned him on this show immediately. He's uh, persona non grata in Juno. As soon as <laughs> as soon as the word comes out on this show, you know that's all there is to it. Well, no, but he's he's, he's but I'm sure there are others, and and you know maybe maybe legislators or former legislators. I know Anna McKinnon is not the right person, <laughs> given given her uh, history in uh, in the legislature, and that was that was the rumor as uh, as either OMB director or revenue commissioner at one time. So there there are people who are and people who aren't, but but that's the kind of criteria that you really you really want to look for in a revenue commissioner. Somebody who's going to every day when they get up be thinking about how can I make this revenue, how can I make the state's revenue more equitable. And how can I make it lower impact on on both Alaska families and on Alaska business? And they've certainly got a lot of work to do because we've got we've got a code now or we've got a system now that is the most in, in, inequitable, has the is right. the most regressive of any in the nation, and uh, and as as Iser has told us, has the largest adverse impact on the overall economy of any revenue options that uh, that certainly they looked at. And as another point in Brian's favor, apparently, according to Donna, he was also the recipient of Bert Stedman's That's Just BS comment. So <laughs> apparently that is uh, that's a point in his favor as far as that goes. All right. Well, number one. Uh, all right. Number one, that pick is going to be very important. Let's uh, let's do a little tweet, a little uh, 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 test drive here on number two, giving us the uh, giving us the preview. And that, of course, is Alaska's LNG project. And uh, of course, this got a lot of press under uh, Bill Walker. That was his big claim to fame and what he wanted to do and uh, and everything else. But now uh, some senatorial support from both uh, Senator Sullivan and Lisa Murkowski. Give us a tease here before we uh, jump to break. Well, we're testing the theory of if you throw enough money at something, even though the economic 
economics of it aren't good. If you throw enough money at it, will will they come? Can 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 you do the project if you throw enough money at it? Um, and there there's a piece of the uh, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, the recently passed federal legislation that is meant to support the Alaska LNG project in a way that that I just I wouldn't I wouldn't support. But nonetheless, uh, uh, Lisa pushed for it and Dan supported it. And uh, and and it, it's going to test the theory of if we throw enough money at it, can we actually get this project? Can we actually get this? What was what was Howard Hughes's plane name? The Spruce Goose, Spruce the Goose. one that never flew. Yeah. Uh, can we actually get this Spruce Goose off the ground? So we're, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about that in the next. Hey, segment. it flew like four and a half feet off. the. It <laughs> flew off the water. I mean, not for long and not for far, but it was it got at least four feet off the water. Um, all right. We're going to we're going to talk about this with Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. Folks, uh, make sure you come out and check us out on Facebook as well. If you'd like Facebook.com slash Michael Duke show. We're going to continue here in just a hot second with Brad Keithley, the weekly top three uh, right here on your home for common sense radio. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the, on the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. And we're in the break right now. Brad Keithley is our guest. Uh... Yeah, how the spruce goose, man! It it uh, flew from one point to another across the bay, and I think it got four feet over the water before it uh, came back down. So, but I mean, you know, don't worry, we only poured billions of dollars into it. I mean, he did, not us, but you know, anyway. Oh, there was a government contract behind it. We'll, it we'll get into that in the next was, in the next segment. But there was a government contract behind uh, that. I'm sure there was money uh, in there somewhere uh, when it was all said and done. Um, let me go back up here. Um, to see what uh, what else is going on, <laughs> Kevin McCabe. This is the quote of the day. Meh, sell it to the Chinese, Bill Walker. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a that was kind of the shocking uh, sep. Uh, that was kind of the shocking uh, uh, out outcome of that during the Walker administration is how close uh, he got in bed uh, with China on this deal. Um, and, uh, that's when I knew that it was almost kind of obsession level stuff at that point. I, you know, again, I supported Bill Walker early on. I supported his first run for governor and I supported his second run for governor, um, up until the point where he started to, uh, again, they split the sheets and then joined with the Democrats. At that point, I was a little aghast, but you know, he had a lot of good ideas for an Alaskan LNG project, but it just seemed to completely go off the rails. And, uh, that, I mean, you notice how he has been super quiet about it this go around. Well, I don't want to defend Bill Walker <laughs> really on anything, but let's remember that, that, that the ceremony where he signed the agreements with the Chinese was presided over by by the chairman of the of the of the Chinese Communist Party and the president right. of China, but also Donald Trump. So it's not it's not like it's not like it was just Walker out there by himself. This right, was, that right. was during the era when uh, Trump was going to redo all of our 
Chinese relations and uh, and and was pushing LNG was pushing Alaska LNG as part of that. Right. Well, I mean, we need to do something. I mean, uh, you're, I'm sure you're going to get into it, but uh, Peter Machicki is quoted in this article uh, from the Peninsula Clarion about. Uh, 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 about this, talking about how people, especially those in the interior with air quality issues and things like that, that they, you know, the Alaskans need to have access to their resources. It's one of the few things that I think I, I agree in part with what Machiki is saying. Um, having lived in the interior for so many years, I can tell you that they are dying for cheap, affordable energy. I mean, not even cheap, just affordable. And especially since we are a resource state, it's kind of ironic that we can't seem to get access to our own resources. When I moved down to Wasilla from Fairbanks, I saved like $5,000 in the first eight months alone on utilities. That was between heat and electricity. I mean, I was spending in the dead of winter, I was spending upwards of a thousand bucks a month just to heat my home and keep the lights on. I mean, that's, you know, and of course now with the price of oil, we're hearing all these horror stories about people going to fill their fuel tanks and a 500 gallon fuel tank is 2,600 bucks. Yeah. It's no surprise that this is what we're dealing with, that people in the interior, especially, and in some of the more rural offshoot communities could really benefit for some gas, but we got to figure out a way to do it that doesn't sell our soul, so to speak. Well, they're, they're, they're about to throw a lot more money at it. So we'll see if, uh, we'll see if that, uh, if that moves the needle is federal money. I mean, the problem is we've got such, we've got such small communities that are such a distance away from the resource, uh, the costs of getting it there. I mean, we got the resource, we've got the communities, we got the demand, but the cost of getting it from the supply to the, to the, to the demand is just huge. Um, it, it's not, there's not a cheap way to do it. And so right. that's the, that's the challenge we uh, we always face. Yeah, no, I mean the the whole discussion between pencil line and full full throated line and offshoots and everything else. Uh, I mean, we could, uh, you know, we could be providing uh, we could be providing an affordable for, uh, source of gas to a lot of the communities coming down from the North Slope into the interior and down to the Matsu, but. Again, it's all going to cost money, but the it, here's the thing: it's never going to get cheaper. You know what I mean? It's you know at some point we have to look at who's going to invest in what, but it's never going to get cheaper from here at this point. Well, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, the question is, even when it's at its cheapest, is it is it is it economic? is it worth it? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it has to be economically feasible. Uh, but we are a good uh, source of gas. We just got to find a way to pay for uh, the transport to get it there. That's for sure. Um, all right, uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We are coming back here in just a second. Uh, Russians shut down 100% of natural gas to Germany. I mean, yeah, exactly. We're the we're one of the few major geopolitically stable spaces out there. We got 17 trillion cubic feet of gas in the North Slope. We just got to figure out how to get it from there to where people want to buy it. That's the that's the big thing. All right, uh, jumping back into it. Here we go, uh, folks. If you haven't liked and shared, please like and share. Uh, please jump over to the uh, YouTube channel and subscribe and ring the bell if you haven't already. And, uh, uh, you know, you can come right back to Facebook. If you do that, you can come right back. You don't have to stay over on YouTube. I know some of you are just wedded to it. But I sure would like to hit that thousand mark on uh, on YouTube. All right, here we go. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. Let's get to it. Here we go.
Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're jumping back into it uh, and ready to dive into number two, which uh, is all about the Alaska LNG project and the support we're seeing now from the senatorial uh uh, the senatorial delegation uh, to the uh, to the Senate, Murkowski and uh, Sullivan, both supporting this piece. Brad, give us uh, give us what's going on here. T- give us your take on it. Well, the world is changing around LNG as a result of the Russian-Ukrainian war and what's going on with Russian gas, or isn't going on as the case may be, with Russian gas uh, into into Europe. It the the dynamics are shifting dramatically. Russian gas that used to go to Europe is likely now going to end up going to China and going to India, two of the big growth markets that uh, that had previously uh, looked to, uh, among others, U.S. sources for uh, for their supply. So we're going to have a re- redirection of the Russian supply down into that area. Iran, uh, there's been rumors that Iran and Russia are going to align uh, and provide Iranian gas uh, into China. And if all that happens, if, if Russia and, and Iran in particular go uh, head toward China, that's going to take up that's going to take up the China market, which which over the past few decades has been looked at as the as the big growth market, the big opportunity for for LNG. But it's going to do that realignment is going to do something else. Korea and Japan, which previously have been u- utilizing uh, uh, Russian gas, um, and and looking to Gulf U.S. Gulf Coast supplies for uh, for gas will will in the course of all that will sort of you know become uh, market will 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 become dependent on new sources of supply. U.S. Gulf Coast gas looks like it's going to be redirected to Europe. Uh, the globe just just sort of shifting. U.S. U.S. Gulf Coast gas that previously looked like it was heading toward China and toward the Asian market. Is going to be redirected to go to Europe to fill the hole there, um, and so that's not going to be a source of a big source of gas coming over to uh, to Japan and Korea, which are two big consumers. So the question really is, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in non-China aligned Asia, not with non-China, uh, with with demand other than other than China, which will be satisfied by Russia? Um, there's a big player. Australia is a big LNG producer. Australia had been looking to China as uh, as as its market of opportunity and expansion expansion of uh, of its of its capacity down there to go to China. Now it's looking to Japan and Korea, and that's sort of that's sort of where uh, Alaska is going to play. Is there an opportunity for Alaska going into Japan and Korea uh, against uh, against Australia? Will Australia be sucked off in other directions? Uh, will Australian LNG be directed in other directions? Uh, and uh, and create an opportunity in in Japan Korea. That sort of that sort of looks like where the the global LNG market is redirecting. Into that, uh, we have the Alaska LNG project that has always been economically uh, challenged. Um, and 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 there's a huge. I mean, we're talking about forty billion dollars to build the line and build the kit needed to uh, to gasify liquefy the the gas from the North Slope. Uh, and get it out to markets. As part of the, um, and this is where my my point about if we throw enough money at it, will it finally happen? As part of the Inflation Reduction Act just passed by Congress, there was a piece in there, not surprisingly, given that Murkowski was involved, there was a piece in there directed at Alaska. And in the uh, uh, Peninsula Clarion article that we were just talking about, 
it has this. Funding got a major boost under the Federal Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Well, actually, that was an act before the Inflation Reduction Act. Through that legislation, which Murkowski helped spearhead, the LNG project now has access to an existing loan guarantee program, program that will provide a roughly $26 billion funding backstop. The project's total capital costs are estimated to be around $38.7 billion. So we now have federal funding, a funding, a funding source, a funding backstop for three quarters, 75% of the estimated cost of the LNG program. We keep throwing money at it. That means, that means really to, to make the project go forward, the private sector needs to come up with $12 billion, still a big number, but not the, not the $40 billion number that, would, that it would take to fund the entire program. So the, the, the real question is, um, uh, it, can we, is there enough money being thrown at this project now uh, to, get it, to, get it off the, uh, to get it off the mark? The federal guarantee program doesn't, isn't a subsidy program in the sense that the federal money just gives you money and doesn't ask for anything in return. It just backstops private lending. And as a result of the federal, of the federal guarantee sitting behind it, lowers the cost of private lending significantly. The risk factor uh, from to private lenders of lending to the program goes down as significantly as if you have a federal guarantee sitting behind it. So we have we have all that additional guarantee uh, uh, sitting back there behind the program. The question is, will it lift off? But it's still, I mean, to even get somebody to invest $12 billion in it and to, to get somebody to put up, uh, to take the risk of, uh, even with the federal backstop behind it, to take the risk of the, of the debt on it, the market economics have to work at least somewhat. And, and the eyes, our eyes now should be focused on Japan and Korea and whether we're going to be able to establish ourselves in those markets. We have to make this project work. We have to move a lot of LNG. We have to move 25, 26 uh, billion uh, uh, cubic feet or billion uh, tons, whatever the, whatever the measure of LNG is, tons, I think, billion metric tons of, of, of LNG uh, to, to make even the, the sketchy market economics work. So it's, it's going to be a question whether we can fit that into Japan and Korea. The federal government is, is going to throw a, lot of, throw a lot of support behind it to, uh, is seeming to be prepared to throw a lot of support behind it to try to make it work. Now, what is that going to take for us? I mean, is that going to take a commitment from Japan and Korea to sign for, you know, to, you know, we will take X number of cubic feet of gas from you uh, over the course of a year or two years or 10 year program? What's it going to take to move this forward to make it enticing for somebody to invest that kind of dough? There needs there, there needs to be some form of guarantee, whether it's a guarantee for 100 percent of the production, though, uh, is is probably a question. That with the federal guarantee setting behind it, um, you know, the banks won't be as skeptical about, uh, won't be as demanding about about commitments uh, as as they might be if uh, if they were at risk uh, for the money. If the federal government wasn't backing up three quarters of the project costs, but there still needs to be a significant commitment behind it to to attract the twelve billion dollars of equity. Uh, Twelve plus billion dollars of equity that needs to uh, needs to come into it. So yes, there's going to need to be some commitments by Japan and Korea. Japan has 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 had a history of being very sharp negotiators uh, uh, in uh, in these issues. They've historically had a significant amount of their supply from Qatar, uh, the Middle Eastern country that has a lot of uh, LNG production. 
recently, they've essentially let those contracts expire, uh, thinking that they can they can they could they were in a good market position to get supplies, replacement supplies from the U.S. Gulf Coast. Now, with the Russian Ukrainian situation, they've they've become Japan's become a little exposed. So it'll be interesting to see if if we can fit uh, that market opportunity to make it work. Though there's going to be a need to least at need to be at least some commitment from Japan and Korea buyers uh, to take uh, to take some of that amount of the LNG. So you see this again, I guess, as a net positive when it's all said and done. This movement at least moves in that direction. We may see something over the next couple of years on this. And it's it, it's a net positive. But Michael, the federal government's throwing a huge amount of money behind this. I mean, it's it's not like the market. It's not like it works on market economics. Uh, it, it is it is it is. It is going to be distorted economics, sort of like the spruce goose that we were talking about uh, before the break. There was a, there was a lot of money behind the spruce goose. It did get off the ground a little bit, but it never flew again. It flew once, um, and and it proved that if you put enough money in behind it, maybe you can get it off the ground once. But uh, but we're going to need we're going to need this thing to be off the ground more than once, right? right. Uh, in order to attract that twelve billion dollars in equity. It's going to be. All right, well, let's move on to number three. Uh, Bill Pop from the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation put out, a, I mean, his piece uh, in the ADN talking about where Anchorage is going in the future and where we need to do to attract workers. And what do they suggest? Well, we need to create more signs and more vehicular and pedestrian, uh, you know, trailside signs. And we need to create facades on beautification. And uh, I mean, there's just, again, you could tell Bill Pop works for uh, a government NGO uh, because it's all about the money, and you're asking who pays. Hit me with it here. Well, the, it's the headline that got my attention. It, it could have been Anchorage. It could have been Fairbanks. It could have been the state. But the headline is, what are we willing to invest for the future of Anchorage? Who's this we? I mean, whenever now, whenever somebody talks, you know, down in the state legislature or talks, you know, generally about we need a program to do X uh, at the state level, certainly. What they're really meaning in today's revenue environment, what they're really meaning is middle and lower income Alaska families through additional PFD cuts need to fund, you know, some certain program. Right. Um, but but it's the top 20 percent who's deciding whether to do the program. It's the people who don't have to pay that are deciding whether to do the program. So what what my real skepticism or my real reaction was to this headline, what are we willing to invest for the future of Anchorage. I'm, I'm concerned it's the same thing we see at the state level. It's the top 20% deciding, hey, we need this program to do this, to make our businesses better, to do that. But let's find a way to use a regressive uh, revenue structure. Property taxes are heavily regressive. Let's find a way to use a regressive uh, revenue structure to pay for all this investment and push the cost of middle and lower income Alaska families and let the top 20% skate. The the what what I've what I've come to what I've come to realize when I read these is I want to know who the we is I want to know who pays <laughs> before we start before we start going down these programs before I even hear even listen to the remainder of the argument about about how great the program is right. who's pay, who's going to pay and then let's go talk to them the people who are going to pay to see if they want that program. I mean, Medicaid expansion has ended up being at the at the foot of the state's portion of it has ended up being at the foot of middle and lower income Alaska families. Did middle and lower income Alaska families were they were they the ones that decided 
whether to do a Medicaid expansion where they where they ask whether they would take a hit, whether it, whether it was okay with them to take an additional hit in their PFD in order to fund Medicaid expansion. No, it was decided by the top 20% and by the, you know, by the hospitals and by the medical community. Hey, we want Medicaid expansion because guess what? The docs are going to get all this additional money, federal money that's going to come in from Medicaid expansion. But there is a state cost to it. And the state cost has pushed to middle and lower income Alaska families through additional PFD cuts. So my reaction to this headline, my reaction to every headline anymore about, hey, this is a great program. What are we willing to invest uh, for, the, for the future? My initial reaction is who's the we, who's going to pay for it? And let's go talk to them and let's ask them uh, if they're willing to, uh, to, to, to pay the money for, uh, for this great program that's been dreamt up by somebody. Well, and not even to mention the fact of what they're suggesting that they be paid for. I mean, that's even that's even the worst uh, when it comes down to it. But we're out of time. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, thanks for coming on board, my friend. I appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more. Hour two is dead ahead. We will continue uh, discussions on this and more. Plus, Chris Story will be joining us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Yeah, ironically, the uh, Medicaid expansion, that's all at the feet of Bill Walker, too, on top of that, by the way. Just in case you were forgetting the boondoggle of LNG and the uh, uh, expansion of Medicaid, all Bill Walker's uh, deal, uh, for sure. Um, it, it, and, go ahead. and Bill Walker's funding mechanism was PFD cuts. Bill Walker's yeah. funding mechanism was, was put it on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. Yeah, no, that's the answer. And again, if you look at this article and the things that they're talking about, you know, here's some simple suggestions for competitive improvement includes, you know, reducing the number of ground level parking lots, uh, setting up benches and a few planners outside of businesses, you know, creating clear districts and neighborhoods to create a sense of place and arrival. I mean, these are... Again, this is like a central planner's wet dream. Everything that they're suggesting there. I mean, setting aside the whole who pays for it. I mean, you look at the stuff and you're like, who who writes this stuff up? This is what's going to draw workers to Alaska. If we have a bench and a bu- bucket of flowers outside of a business, that's going to solve it and make it more t- more beautiful for us to. I mean, who who dreams this stuff up? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, they, they, I think they went to Oklahoma City. Uh, I think there was a delegation that went to Oklahoma City and looked at what Oklahoma City had done to attract additional uh, investment and, and, and make their downtown more uh, attractive. And, and Oklahoma City's uh, done a good job of that. Uh, and so, you know, maybe, maybe they think benches do it. But, but you're exactly right. It's a central planner's dream. And it takes a central planning department to figure out, you know, where those benches ought to go and what, how, how we ought to name the districts. Um, so we're, we're setting up another bureaucracy to do it. And then somebody's got to pay for it. Right, right. And and I swear, I swear, if you ask middle and lower income Alaska families, the ones who have ended up paying for Medicaid expansion, the ones who have ended up paying for a variety of additional programs, I swear, if you ask them, do you want to pay for this program through additional PFD cuts, the answer would have been no. But the top 20%, the ones who make the decision, the ones in the legislature and in the and in the government who are making the decision are going, hey, we got this great idea. You know, we can, we can you know, put planters or we can, you know, put, uh, 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 you know, put parking garages up 
and we'll attract more people. We don't have to pay for it because we found, you know, we can use a regressive <laughs> payment mechanism, but wouldn't this be great? Let's try that. Oh, well, that just didn't work out, but hey, let's try something else. Right. Again, we don't have to pay for it. Right. It's somebody <laughs> it's, else's money. So let's just keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks. Exactly right. And that's, and that's the problem. We, we, we have people making these decisions in government and we have people making these decisions elsewhere or, or lobbyists uh, uh, urging these decisions, trade associations urging these decisions that don't have to pay for it. If it was their dime, if we had a revenue mechanism that, that spread the cost broadly so that everybody had to contribute to it and they were saying to themselves, hmm, do I want to pay more in taxes in order to, in order to fund this? We'd have a lot better judgment going on uh, than we than, than we currently do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we look at all this, Brad, it's uh, well, it's a hot mess, isn't it? I mean, it's a hot mess. Um, we need to, we really need to analyze this. We really need to go back again to the fiscal policy working group's uh, plan on. You know, uh, looking at it from every angle, whether it's oil taxes, uh, uh, you know, the cuts, the spending cap, the the personal taxes. I mean, all those things. We need to put everything on the table and just start picking up pieces and parts and figuring out where it all fits, because that's the only way we're going to fix this in the long term is if we look at it holistically. Um, that's that's right, Michael. And I, and I think the Fiscal Policy Working Group in a very short, compressed period did a remarkably good job. Uh, thinking through all those pieces, parts, and putting together uh, a comprehensive package. Hopefully, once we get beyond this election, we'll go back to that and pick it up again and 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 work with it again. Um, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that's going to happen, but but hopefully, I mean, and that's where you to go back to our first point. That's where you need a revenue commissioner who's thinking through these things, who's trying to think every day about finding ways to have a more equitable, lower impact revenue structure. Yeah. Well, we've, we've got to, we've got to do it. We've got to think about it. We should be thinking in these long-term prospects and we should be looking at everything on the table all at once. Every bell and whistle that we can pull, every lever, every lever that we can pull, every bell and whistle we can blow. That's what we need to, uh, that's what we need to be looking at and, uh, leaving nothing behind, um, and getting it all there. So, uh, Brad, uh, appreciate you coming on board. Any final thoughts? What are you looking at here as you, uh, as you watch, as you watch what happened with the uh, congressional race, any thoughts leading up into the uh, the next uh, segment here? Well, I was surprised, along with everybody else, at the number of Republicans who uh, who who turned on themselves, uh, sort of you know the inward pointing uh, circle of fire, um, and um, I, <laughs> you know, hopefully they will figure it out uh, uh, by the time that uh, November comes. I suspect they will. But but we, you may be surprised again. We may get to November and they still are just firing at each other and uh, and and letting well, uh, uh, the Democrats walk away with the seat. I mean, it wasn't just the fact the number of, of Republicans who voted for Peltola. It was the number of bullet voters. I mean, if just the bullet voters had picked uh, Palin as their second choice, you got 20 percent who just were one and done. And whether that was because they were anti-Palin or because they were anti-ranked choice, I don't know. I mean, do you think that they come back from that? Uh, I hope so. I mean, that's, we've, we've talked about this in the governor's race, uh, as, as Mike Shower puts it ad nauseum. I mean, we've talked about the importance of not having bullet voters in that, in that, when they, when they vote for that fourth slot, when, 
whether it was Chris Kirk or, or Charlie Pierce, you've got to rank uh, when you're when you're in that fourth slot. That that's the vote. That's the vote that counts. That's the vote yeah. that, that that makes the decision. Um, and and hopefully, you know, this experience has taught people that that being bullet voters uh, uh, turns the bullet on yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Suicide I mean, voters is what somebody called them. But that's it. You know, that's exactly it. All right, Brad, I'm sorry. We're out of time. Thank you for coming on board. Good to hear from you. We will see you next week. OK, Michael, is always good to good to talk to you. Thanks, folks. We got more coming up. Hour two, the Michael Duke show. Common Sense Radio. in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal the, the michael dukes show the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me what more could you want from a low budget radio program this is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com for the audio-only live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, as well as the podcast being available, well, each and every morning. You can find the podcast wherever you find uh, good podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is uh, The Michael Luke Show. Good morning and welcome to Hour 2 of the big radio program. We are uh, ready to dive into it here in Hour 2. We just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who uh, gave us the weekly top three. If you meant, if you missed that, you can go back to the uh, aforementioned podcast and pick up the whole thing and watch it, or watch it on the replay on YouTube or Facebook or wherever. We'd love to love to get more folks uh, involved on uh, in that situation. Meanwhile, let's uh, let's open up the phone lines for hour two. Uh, we've got Chris Story. He's going to be coming up with us uh, here. Uh, in just a hot moment, we're going to be talking with him about, uh, oh, 10, 12 minutes or so, 14 minutes. We're going to talk with Chris Story. Uh, meanwhile, we'll get your take on everything that happened uh, all over the weekend and the results and everything else. Uh, give us a call, 907-433-3150. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West for all your communications needs across the state of Alaska. Satellite West has got you covered, whether it's phones or Internet or email or text messages. They've got a solution for you that you can get all of those things no matter where you are. SatelliteWest.com is where you go to pick all that stuff up and get all the information you need. And a big thank you to them for sponsoring the program 
this morning. So what are your thoughts on the results of the election? We haven't really had much of a we haven't really had much of a chance to uh, to ride down into this and talk about it. But I'm curious, what are, you know, <clears throat> what is uh, what is your take on this? Uh, is the result of the election, especially the breakdown of Nick Begich's uh, second and third place votes, um, it, what does that what does that say to you? Uh, does that say that they, you know, especially the votes for Peltola, was that uh, because there was anti-Palin? Was it because they just couldn't get behind, uh, you know, the message of rank the red? I mean, what what about the bullet voters? I mean, was that an anti rank choice voting, um, you know, stance as the as Di- as uh, Donna uh, Celia said on uh, must read Alaska? Is that what that was all about? Uh, is this you know is this anybody but Sarah? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, she obviously had a strong lead going into this. And yet, in the end, she comes out with uh, she comes out with a uh, with with a losing vote. And again, if just those voters who had you know bullet voted one and done, if just those voters had um, had had thrown their hat in the ring for Palin or held their nose or whatever it was that they needed to do, this would have been this would have been a whole lot of different. This would have been a whole lot of difference going on there. 15,467 votes for Mary Peltola as the second vote from um, from Nick Baggage. Uh, if a chunk of those and the 11,000 exhausted votes had uh, gone towards uh, Palin, we would have a different story than what we have today. And so... Uh, you know, and how much of this, I guess the other part is, you know, how much of this was the negativity? Uh, I mean, I had to laugh reading this story in the ADN talking about them, uh, you know, each one of them calling for the other to pull out of the race. Um, and yet, you know, they, they go on and, you know, Palin's going on about negative Nick and all this other stuff and calling him a liberal and saying that only a democratic sympathizer would selfishly stay in the race and then saying, well, you know, I, it, we're all disgusted by the negative campaigning, but I just had to do it. Um, and then, and the baggage campaign, I mean, the baggage campaign, I I'll be honest with you. They started it. They started it with the ad hominem attacks on Palin for, again, Palin was not my favorite candidate in the world. But this ad hominem attack on Palin as being, a, you know, the quitter and all this other kind of stuff, that just, it makes no sense to me. Why would you circle the wagons and shoot inward? Or as Donna Celia said, you know, why would you get into this contest of who is more conservative than whom? Why wouldn't you just say, vote for me as number one, but if you can't get behind me, vote for so-and-so as number two? You know, if you're Palin, vote for baggage is number two. If you're baggage, vote for Palin is number two. Why would you not? Uh, I mean, uh, why? Why instead would you continue to beat the P. Wadden out of each other in the public spotlight? It makes n- it makes no sense to me at all, at all. And uh, you know, it it is a it is a it, it's crazy. Um, why did they do it? Says Chris, uh, on Twitch. He said, it's because Nick was losing and he had to do something. Well, I mean, 
I guess. I just can't see. I mean, look, I've been in Alaska a long time. And, you know, the one thing that continuously irritates Alaskans, in my opinion, uh, in watching this for the last 25 years, is the negativity, the, the chopping down of people. And again, I've been complaining about this for years in the primaries, is that, you know, the, the Republicans, they get, you know, three or four or five people in a primary and they just beat the absolute hell out of each other. And then when one of them finally wins, then they go to the main, they go to the main, main event and everybody's like, well, look at all this stuff that's been exposed in the primary and, and how can you really support and blah. It's going to be uh, it, it's 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 going to be uh, interesting to watch to see what happens. But this is just basically writ large what we've seen in the Republican primaries in the past. Now, instead, they're just doing it in the general. Now, instead, they're just doing it open open there in the middle of nowhere. It's it's uh, it's very frustrating. Uh, somebody said that the phone lines are uh, the phone lines are busy um, and they're trying to trying to call in and get get on board. So I don't know exactly what's going on here, but let me I will check. I will check for you if you want to call 907-433-3150. If you want to call in, we'd love to hear what uh, you guys have to say. Nope, she's right. Phone lines are busy, so I don't know exactly what's happening there. I'll have to check the uh, check the phone system and get things uh, squared away. I apologize. Uh, I apologize for that. I apologize um, for uh, for uh, for that kind of problem right now. We'll see if we can uh, we'll see if we can get something squared away and get uh, get it uh, fixed here uh, in the in the short round um, as we go through. Uh, but Chris Story is going to be joining us here in just a moment, and we will uh, we'll talk with him um, in just a minute uh, on that. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Mike Shower is going to be joining us, as well as, oh goodness, I had somebody else lined up, and who was it going to be? Now I've got to look back through my text messages real quick to make sure that... Uh, uh, who who else was going to be on board with us uh, this weekend? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Sarah is going to be. Nope, that was last week. Um, I've forgotten who it was. I, I've forgotten who it was. I'm going to have to get back. Uh, I'm going to have to go back to look at my calendar. But we've got more guests coming up on uh, Wednesday and Thursday as well. But I know for sure that Mike Shower. Will be joining us tomorrow, and we will uh, uh, we'll we'll get a chance to kind of digest what's uh, what's uh, what's going on there. Okay, um, let's see here. Let me get uh, let me give you a, a new number. You can bypass uh, the number that uh, I've got uh, squared away here if you want to give us a call this morning. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say, and I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the number here in just a second. Here we go. Uh, there, no. <laughs> Man, technical difficulties galore. Here we go. You ready for it? Um, if you want to uh, call in, uh, we're going to bypass the Alaska number and go straight to the conference number three one nine five two seven three eight six four three one nine Five two seven three eight six four for those who would like to uh, 
call in and join us. Uh, I posted the link up in the chat room, and if you want to call in, you can uh, you can do so. We'll uh, we'll allow you to uh, call in directly. Three one nine five two seven three eight six four. If you want to uh, be part of it, that'll bypass the Alaska number, and it'll uh, it goes straight to the conference center. We don't have to. We don't have to worry about that here this morning. Uh, also working on Friday, I'm working on getting Rob Pinkish up on the program for Firearms Friday. Hopefully he's going to come on board and talk with us about guns and gun rights. And uh, we should be joined by Top Shot champion Chris Chang, who should come on board and talk with us about the things that are going on in California. I, you know, so in in a way, I also want to talk to Chris about not just firearms in California, but of course, you heard the new push from um, California on gas-fired vehicles, right? So here's the irony: California just said they're going to outlaw the sale of any gas combustion engine. By what 2033, something like that, uh, that they're gonna, it's going to have to be all electric vehicles. And of course, all of a sudden, they also said this weekend, I'm sorry, you can't con- you can't charge your electric vehicles because it's too hard of the power grid right now. So so you've got so you've got uh, uh, you've. <laughs> You've got on the one hand, you've got, hey, um, uh, we all need to move away from gas-fired vehicles to electric, but at the same time, I'm sorry you can't charge your electric vehicles. Maybe we'll touch base with Chris on that uh, uh, as well on Friday. Meanwhile, let's uh, go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say real quick, see if we can get a couple phone calls in uh, as we go forward over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Jeremy and Gisela. Good morning, Jeremy. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, what do you think about uh, all those rolling blackouts in California? You know, that's what cowboys used to call putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. They're already having problems with the power grid, and now they want to go ahead and uh, and and compel everyone to buy an electric vehicle, and then they got to figure out how to charge it. Um, and uh, that's yeah, when, that's part of the irony. Well, yeah, when all you got to do is be a good old cowboy, you know, and you know, treat your animals right, and never put the cart before the horse you know it's just ancient common sense technology that evidently liberals do not understand well if we did give everybody a horse jeremy then we'd have to worry about the methane production that would be the thing we'd have to worry about the methane production thank you for your call over here let's uh go over to this next call good morning who's this where are you calling from Hi, this is Barbara from North Pole. How are you doing this morning? Good, Barbara. What's on your mind? Well, um, you know, we've got this thing going on tonight. It's called the Interior Taxpayer Association. I think you've heard of it. Um, I may have heard of it. It's that group that sponsors the tax cap. It was started by Donna Gilbert years yep. ago, I think. Yep. Yeah, they got the meeting tonight at University Park, uh, University Baptist Church. Uh, we're on University Avenue, and uh, it's going to be the... Uh, Assembly candidates, they're they're speaking. Oh, they're so, doing the, they're doing the ITA forum. Is that what you're talking about? The candidate forum. Yes, sir. Okay. So this is a really good. 
opportunity for people to get out there and find, get to know the uh, candidates uh, like me and, uh, you know, get to know the issues a little bit. Right. And uh, appreciate everybody coming out. And what time is that going to be at? I believe it's at, I believe it's at 6. 6 o'clock. Okay. University Church, uh, University Baptist down there on University Avenue. The ITA yeah. it's form. The will be there too, so. The city candidates, um, yeah. It'll be a yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Barbara, thank you for giving us the heads up on that. I appreciate that. Thank you for calling in and uh, joining us this morning on that. That takes us right to the break, which means it's time uh, for. Whoops. <laughs> we pushed the right button. It's time for Chris Story, who's going to be uh, joining us on the other side. Ooh, man. Uh, we're going to be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay. I don't know what's going on with the phones. Anyway, how are you guys? All right. We ready to, uh, we ready to rock and roll? Um... Let's, um, got Chris story coming up and Chris told me, actually, Chris texted me here this morning. Uh, he told me exactly what we're going to talk about. The diversity of adversity, the diversity of adversity. That's what our, that's what our topic is going to be today. So we're going to be, uh, going to be waiting for Chris on that one. Um, We'll see. We'll see what uh, we'll see what Chris has to say on that. Okay, <clears throat> let me get back over to the chat room to see what you guys have been talking about. Barbara, thank you for letting me know that the phone lines were busy. I don't know what's going on with my forwarder, but that's uh, we'll figure it out here in the end. Okay. Um, I'm going over here. Vote is not a valentine or expression of love. It is a chess move for a state we want to live in. Hold your nose and vote conservative regardless of your emotional connection. Yeah, that's, uh, I would agree. We play in chess, not checkers. That's, that's part and parcel of it there. Um, Complete Department of Elections, Division of Elections voter data drops this week. We will see exactly where all the second votes went, said Kevin McCabe. Good. I want to hear where it, I want to hear what it comes down to here. Uh, my question is, will they send us the question is, will they open up? Will they publish the Palin second choice votes, even though Palin, I mean, they never went to her second choice. I'm curious if they will publish that. Um, I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting take. Um, <clears throat> Jeannie said, if Palin being a quitter is all they have, it isn't much. I, again, I just doesn't, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, rank the red or we'll have Democrats in office. Um, 
David Henry says, rank the red, goes for both camps. I rank the red and I totally despise Palin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think you had to, again, hold your nose, somebody else said. You have to hold your nose. Um, okay. Uh, sounds like she hurt your feelings. It's politics. You can't have feelings in politics. Um. The irony of California is that they're a big producer of oils, which means they're going to take a revenue hit, too, on top of all that. Yeah, that's true. Um, All right. No more weekends for you, uh, MD. You lose too many skills. Hey, my skills are there. It's just the stuff wasn't working. I don't know what to say. Uh, The tech was not cooperating with me this morning. Um, all right, we got uh, we've got Chris Story on the line, and uh, he's joining us right now for discussions, commentary, and more. Hello, my friend. Uh, how are you doing? Apparently, I picked an incredible topic because here we are watching and witnessing you face adversity in real time. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what it's all about: adversity, the diversity of my adversity. It's a lot. I've got a lot of adversity going on in various different directions. Uh, you ready to uh, you ready to pull all this together and and give us your radio brilliance again? I will give you everything I've got, be it brilliant or not. Yeah, well that's that's good. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I you apparently didn't hear the air quotes when I said radio brilliance. Um, so it's <laughs> was it wow. too too early for so that? You, too you soon? See, I see. You see, taking it out on me. This is how you deal with it. First, this is I how I deal with adversity. I, get it. I made a no decision, problem. like an older brother. <laughs> yep, exactly. I needed a stalking horse. Uh, uh, you know, I needed a, a, a whatever. Uh, what did they used to call those? What did they used to call it for the princes when they had uh, the little the they had the little uh, uh, kids who you'd beat instead of the princes? What was that? The whipping boy. That's what I needed. A whipping boy. That's what it is. Right-handed stepchild. Yeah, I needed a whip. Like. I needed a whipping boy this morning, and I decided Chris Story is it. All right, uh, to fix my adversity problem. All right, Chris, hold the line. Whipping boy. There's your history lesson for the day. That's where that term came from. All right, we're going to jump into this. The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Radio. Here we go. All right, uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, our positivity PMA wizard and guru, comes on board today with a weekly topic. This week, it's the diversity of adversity, which he says I've been facing all morning, apparently. Um, I have seen the enemy, and it is myself. Uh, That's part of the problem going on here. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Michael, I'm fantastic. And yeah, I just wanted to... Thank you for coordinating such an ad, you know, an adversity-riddled morning, such that we, when we come on to talk about the diversity of adversity, here you've demonstrated it almost, almost morning. so perfectly done, almost well done. perfectly done. Hey, you know what? I'm only here to help you make your make your salient points. That's what I'm all about here this morning. <laughs> uh, you so- know, what? when you think about it, though, seriously, diversity in in the headlines everywhere, constantly DEI. We 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 cannot get away from it, even. Uh, a non-for-profit uh, industry organization I belong to is uh, starting to weed DEI into 
into our, our bylaws and so forth, and they think about what is diversity. Well, if you think about adversity and diversity, well, everybody faces and experiences life differently. Your adversity, your adverse times. This this is, a, and for anybody who's not been in broadcasting, can't really understand that this is a high wire act every single day. You've got no net. You're completely exposed and bare to the world. This is an adverse difficult kind of situation you put yourself into five days a week and you choose to do it you experience this adversity every single day on purpose but again not to make light of of what adversity is that said it's different for everybody there is overlap of course but i love what napoleon hill said and he, he discovered and uncovered this little quote back in 19 20 something through his work with Andrew Carnegie and and it just resonates here still today 100 years later with every adversity comes with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit he didn't say with some adversities no every and the reason he chose the word every i believe is because of the diversity of adversity everybody's is different it will look different 100 years from today however what will be in common is that your adversity what you go through your difficulties, your challenges, obstacles, and, and hurdles you have to jump are different than mine, yet we each have them. Nobody's got all green lights ahead of them. Uh, Les Brown said, if you wait for every light to turn green, you'll never leave the house. Right. So everybody's got different adversities and challenges in front of them. But it is truly what makes life worthwhile. It's adversity that makes and builds muscles. It's adversity in the wind that makes trees grow deeper root systems and can withstand and grow as tall as they possibly can. They can withstand almost anything. Those that are sheltered and protected from adversity actually truly are growing hollow. Well, you know, this plays back in that fact that we see, you know, whenever we see some famous, you know, person or couple, you know, having problems publicly or whatever. And you're like, what kind of problems could they have? They're multi-gazillionaires and they got everybody laying at their feet. And how could, you know, how could they possibly have problems? And that's when you realize that everybody's problems that, you know, the rich man's problem is different than the poor man's problem. The happy person's problem is different than the sad person's problem, but everybody has their own diversity or they have their own adversity in, in that diverse way. Absolutely. I agree 100 percent. And I guess adversity is a little bit like you and I come from the generation where uh, the science didn't know no better and would dump mercury into your open hand at school and you would pass it from one student to the other. And, and you would you trying to grab liquid mercury is almost impossible. You know, there's just no you can't grab it. It's it's uh, globulous and it's, you just can't get your hands around it. Same thing with adversity. You can never get to a point in time where you say, OK, whew, no more adversity in my life. Everything is said. I am oh, okay. I've got it all figured out now. Because as soon as you do that, you realize, oh, a diverse adversity is headed your way. Something you never even thought of is coming your way. Adversity, I would say, is a shapeshifter to to put it, you know, in Deep Space Nine Star Trek colloquialisms that you would understand, Michael. I'm trying to go sci-fi, <laughs> trying to go nerd here. Uh, it's like a shapeshifter, Michael. Yeah, it's like a shape, you know, okay, I got it. You're talking like a doppelganger, right? I mean, that can, yeah, okay, got it. Sorry, I was going to use all those nerdy things on you, but it didn't work. But you're right. I mean, look, we've all got to face it, and it's all going to be different. And again, the only thing we can control is our reaction to it, right? Yes, exactly. And remember, muscle doesn't grow without, you know, facing an adversity. You have to put yourself in the way of 
of that weight or whatever system you're going to use to build muscle. You have to put yourself in the way of that. Um, and, and you may feel marginalized. In fact, you may be marginalized. Others may be putting you to the side. Your adversity might be uh, that, that you're uh, facing some horrible people every day or some really, really difficult times. That may be your adversity versus just simply technologically something's going wrong here on the Michael Duke show live in front of the world bearing your naked soul to everybody. Uh, it's all different. At the same time, it's the sandpaper of life, I think, that r removes the rough edges is adversity or the chisel in the hand of the sculptor revealing what's within you, revealing what you're capable of, revealing who you really are and the kind of strengths and feats of strength that you can go through and overcome, levels of wisdom you can climb to, maybe even heights beyond your belief or what you could have ever imagined possible, only through the diverse, adverse times you're going to face. And I like to put it in terms like that because my mind is simple, and I need to think in terms of something <laughs> I can grab a hold of later today or tomorrow or next week when I'm facing an adverse time. I say, that's right. This is the diversity of adversity. I'm going to face it. I'm going to stand up to it. I don't wish things were easier. I simply wish I was better or more able to handle this, and I'm going to. I'm going to face this challenge. I'm going to overcome it, and I'll be better on the other side of it because another one's coming. I know that. You heard it here first, folks. His mind is simple. He's simple-minded. Yep. It's Chris' story. He's here to uh, help us with our... But to be advice. fair, Michael, I, I hate to correct you again today, but that's not the first time that's been said. It's true. It's true. Uh, but I, I will say that if this is the most adversity that I have to face today, the technical issues of the show, I'm actually looking forward to the rest of the day at this point uh, to get it through. <laughs> but, I mean, that's it. You know, we're all going to face adversity, Chris. I mean, this is the thing. Nobody, I mean, first of all, nobody makes it out alive, right? I mean, and and the bottom line is, and, and I, I hate it that you actually quoted the no pain, no gain thing. You said it a little differently, but that's basically what you said. No pain, no gain. The only way we progress is through struggle. If all we did, I mean, it, to me, it's always like the person who's in a coma, right? They're fed through a tube. They don't move. Their muscles atrophy. They wake up after seven years. They can't even get out of bed and pee by themselves. You know what I mean? Because they've just, they've had no struggle. There's nothing there. Whereas if you've struggled and strained and you cracked rocks for the last seven years, you have had a tougher time, but you are more ready to go out and face the world than anybody else. And I think that's the, that's the key is that struggle is real. Struggle is inevitable. You have to deal, you have to figure out how to deal with it. Absolutely. My uncle passed away two days ago at the age of 96 on his own terms. In other words, he he was facing some some challenges physically and health wise that his doctor was forewarning him about. And and I truly believe he let go and said, OK, I've been here 96 years. I'm OK with it. Now, that's an adverse time for the family in some respects. But at the same time, because he made it to 96, it's a different kind of adversity to, right. to have loss at that age it really becomes you know reflective you, you start to you, there's actually gratitude involved and so you think about any loss can be looked at through the eyes of this is this is an adverse time this is something that we as a family we as a nation we as a people are going through we can get through it this isn't the worst times in human history absolutely not in fact there's probably not a time that you and i or anyone listening would rather live in than this time that said 
we're facing adversity every day and it's on a global scale. We're facing adversity politically, geopolitically, threat of war, the threat of, of the way of life we, as we know it, our, our constitutionally protected guarantees and, and rights we're born with are being threatened. Those are adverse times and we do face challenges together. We can overcome it because challenges are an equal opportunity in disguise waiting for you waiting for your brother your sister your neighbor of all races creeds ethnicities whatever your challenges are you're up to the challenge you're able to face this and we're going to be better off on the other side i guarantee you this is the best time in history to be alive so give us some practical advice here as we face our diversity of adversity what should we, you know, how should we be dealing with it? What should we be saying? What's what's our self-talk? What's our, you know, what, what is our reaction here that should be happening in your opinion? I love the quote from, from Napoleon Hill. With every adversity comes with a deceit of an equivalent or greater benefit. What's the benefit? What else could this mean? What, if I was more able to handle this, if I was a better orator, if I was up to the challenge of running for office, if I was to sit down one-on-one -on -one with, Sarah Palin or Nick Baggett or Patola, if I was to sit down and talk to them, if I was able to sit down and talk with a Senator Dan Sullivan, what would I ask of him? What would I wish that, what, what could be on the other side of this Ukrainian strife with this global war on oil and uh, promoting electric cars? What, what can I do about it? Number one. And number two, what is the benefit of this adverse time that I'm going through? Or something maybe even very, very localized. It could be financial, could be health, individually, right where you are. The next step might be a, a, a challenge waiting for you just as you leave the house this morning. I would just encourage us each to look for the benefit. And what can you do? And are you doing anything about it? If all you're doing is bloviating and complaining to anybody who will listen or forced to listen, maybe stop for a minute and just say, okay, I'm going through some adversities here. What can I do about it? Is there somebody I can reach out to and ask for some help? Be willing to ask for help through adverse times. I think that's another vulnerability that if you'll allow yourself, you will actually not only help yourself, but you'll bring a, bring a benefit to the person that you ask for a hand because nothing that we, we all have one thing in common every single human being we want to matter you want to make a difference and if you allow somebody to matter in your life and make a difference for you during an adverse time you're actually benefiting both of you right right no helping the people through adversity is uh sometimes just as fulfilling rewarding and growth uh you know and and gives you more growth as if you went through it yourself sometimes you can do it vicariously but, uh, I mean, I always uh, – it, 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 this, again, behooves you to get a support network of people that you can help or that you can work with or a mastermind of people that, that think the same way that you do. I mean, this is an argument for all of that right now. Absolutely. And remember that diversity and adversity go hand in hand. I mean, the truth of it is you may not face the same problem. I mean, it's like – it's sort of like the privilege question. Well, there's a pretty pr privilege, there's a fit athletic privilege, there's probably ethnicity privileges that are difficult to talk about, but it's probably true whether you live in America or Kenya or South, South America. There are privileges within every single sector of life, with every single socioeconomic scale or ladder, rung on that ladder that you climb or scale. It, it's it simply challenges in front of you. You're here to face it. You have within you the ability to face that challenge and overcome. And as cliche or trite as that may sound, that's the truth. 
there is a benefit. There's a reason you're going through this right now. It's your job, not mine. This is your job to figure out what the benefit is for you. And if you need help, then certainly ask me or anybody in your life that you trust enough to say, hey, I'm facing this adversity right now. Do you have some words of wisdom? Is there something you could offer me? And it might not be, oh, I'm going to hear, you, you know, oh, you need 10 bucks? Here's the $10. So it might be, what if you were able to earn 10x more this year or you were able to earn an extra thousand dollars a month? Would that make a difference in your life? Okay, here's how. That's, that's something that I think if each of us would just look for the benefit in the adversity, the thing that we're going through right now, you'll be better off. So will society and the people around you and your family. The Diversity of Adversity, Chris Story, uh, ilovehomeralaska.com is his website where you'll find everything. He's got uh, his Backyard Millionaire podcast. He's got his uh, radio show, bi-weekly radio show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He's, of course, uh, got several books, including The Backyard Millionaire, The Making of Man, Born to Live. And you are working on, you you got new ones coming out, right? That's the next thing, Chris? Yes, and yep, pretty excited about it. I'm concentrating my energies on just finishing up The Watchman, which is the sequel to The Making of Man, which is interesting because this one's set in Homer, and uh, I love that it's a fictionalized Homer because it's the Homer that I, I have in my mind, but it'll be reflective <laughs> of what you actually see when you get here. But anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and uh, through the fiction, I get to see the world and solve some problems mentally and emotionally that on the page that I don't have to go through physically. Thank God. Yeah, no, exactly. I always wanted this street to go all the way through to here. So now my fictional Homer can fix that, right? That's <laughs> right. That's all about. Right. All right, Chris Story, I love Homer, Alaska.com. My friend, thank you so much for coming on board and sharing with us as you do every week. Um, I appreciate that. It's a be- one of the best parts of my week. Thank you so much. Alex, my privilege. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we got more coming up. Uh, We're going to open up the phone lines one more time this morning. And we'll take your calls, see what you guys have to say. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free, like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, <clears throat> in the break, I think we still got Chris. You still with us, Chris? Yes, sir. Oh, I wanted to say sorry about your uncle first and foremost, but 96 sounded like he had a good run. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A great man. And he was just getting ready to face uh, with some, some breathing issues he's having. And so we're just getting ready to face a, a you know, a medical procedure. It would just been, it would have been grueling and awful at his age. Right. And, and I think he just fell asleep and uh, listening to a football game and didn't wake up. So it was, it was truly, uh, it was a blessing in, in many ways. And uh, yeah, grateful to have had his influence over these, these years. In fact, it's interesting because I write about him in the, my book, The Making a Man, uh, uh, my uncle James. So he's the, at least I used his name. He really, the character was fictionalized, but um, his wife, Margaret, uh, we called her Aunt Mike. They they were both super influential in my life. So I put them into that book, The Making a Man, just by name only and, and influence in my life. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, and I'm uh, glad, again, somebody who makes a difference in somebody. That's all you can ask for is uh, making a difference yeah. in somebody's life in the long run, for sure. Uh, you watching this political thing, uh, Chris? Are you uh, you want to come on next week and, and share a little bit of politics with us uh, as you go through? What are your thoughts as you watch yeah. what happened in the election here? 
Yeah, maybe even just by way of processing or how to think about it differently. Somebody just called me yesterday. Um, I was out mowing a lawn on one of our properties, and I um, get this call from a good friend of mine, and he said he he wanted to know if I'd be interested in meeting with the governor this week uh, while he's in, in town. And I said, well, you know, I'd love to know the following. And I asked a series of questions just off the top of my head. And he goes, well, come and ask him. I think, you know what? That's a good point. Maybe I will. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's about it's a matter of the the person versus the the position. I think is it's very difficult to separate those two. The anger with which Sarah Palin uh, he, he sort of um, brings out of people the frustration of the sometimes it's jealousy, sometimes it's envy, sometimes it's just pure hurt that she quote left or quit and and there's all the things that people process emotionally around her which is not that different from a lot of candidates is that you know can we trust the baggage in this state you know there's all the emotional things and processing and then there's just that well if you ask them like for example i've been i've been a supporter of dan sullivan's ever since joe miller lost the primary originally and such that i even risked my position within the the statewide realtor association because i supported dan over mark baggage who was the incumbent and we were told you support the incumbent i said sorry not going to do it for my board anyway all of that to say once he's elected the communication slows down to almost an area drip and then I put a little pressure on some people. Okay, now I get I get a little more access to him and have him on the program once in a great while. But I have to play the song and dance, which is, oh, here's the questions I'm going to ask. Not anymore. Now, and I make sure the questions are pointed, and I know he's never going to come on my program again because I want to know, does he still support the trip to Taiwan for Speaker Pelosi, knowing that the son her son who had Taiwanese business interests was on the plane. Right, uh, right. Did he, did he know it then? Does he know it now? And if he does know it now, does he now lo- no longer support the trip? Things like this. And I'm just being very pointed. And I know he'll never come on the program again. So I think he needs to never be elected again in the state of Alaska. And we need to find somebody to replace him because he doesn't seem to have our interest. Well, how do I hold that position and not hold him in contempt? How do I right. hold that position and not be angry at Dan? Because he is a very nice boy scout guy he's a great guy how can right. we how can we have a discussion going forward and not be mad at the man just mad at the decisions or upset with the decisions and hold them accountable that's so true. that's kind of an interesting process to go through it is and, and you know it's almost like a badge of honor i mean at this point i've got uh you know lisa murkowski and don young neither one will come on my program anymore because i i stopped I stopped, you know, pussyfooting around and basically started asking questions that they didn't like the answers to, that they didn't like to have to be faced with. And so they just, oh, it's, I'm sorry, we're busy. We can't do that. It's just one of those things. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy, but you're right. How do we deal with that without being bitter? Um, Right. Exactly. uh, You you inside and and destroy you and then they, they just continue to get reelected because I've got the support or whatever, but, and be part of the conversation. You know, how do you be part of the conversation without necessarily imposing, if you don't agree with me, and look, if, if two people are sitting there having a conversation and they, they both agree on, on everything, one of them is unnecessary. So, right. you know, there is some use, useful debate and, and uh, discourse that can happen, even if everybody doesn't agree. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you and I have both faced the fact that, you know, we've had guests on that, you know, they've got to, everything's got to be massaged before the guest comes on. Well, this is what they want to talk about. And what are your questions you're going to ask? And I basically tell them, 
I'm not telling you my questions. I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. about this topic and this topic and this topic. I'm not going to tell you my questions in advance. He either shows up or he doesn't, or she either shows up or she doesn't. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, you're only going to give me seven and a half minutes. Well, I'll do my best. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it is very frustrating to, uh, to, to, to let all that out and, and to, to, it's, it's hard not to be bitter sometimes about it. That's it for is. sure. It is. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Chris, uh, maybe next week. Have a great rest of your show, Michael. Yep, we could, okay, yeah, let's talk about that next week. We'll take, a, we'll take a segment early on that next week. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you calling in. Chris Story, the man from Homer, um, here on the Michael Duke Show. All right, we're coming up on it, the break. We're going to start the uh, – oop, you heard it right there. We're going to start the phone lines again and crank back into that. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we uh, go. All right. Well, one final segment here on the program this morning as we continue ahead. Uh, We just got a chance to chat with Chris uh, during the break, and I think next week we're going to come on and we're going to talk about the election results, and part of that discussion will resolve or revolve around, rather, the, uh, you know, this idea of how do we, you know, how do we deal with the frustration of politics? Um, because I've said this, uh, I've said this in the past and, uh, you know, I'll continue to say it that, you know, politics in this country, uh, especially over the last 10, 12, 13 years has been destroying our soul. I mean, that's just, it has been destroying our soul. We get so angry with one another. We can't, we can't agree to disagree. And that's just. That's just insane. That's just, to me, that is absolute insanity. But uh, this is, uh, you know, this is where we're at. This is this is what we've got going on. Um, all right. <clears throat> I have, uh, I've turned the phone lines back on for those of you who want to give us a call. And if you'd like to sound off this morning, I still would love to hear what you guys have to say about uh, the election and the results. Um, my local phone number is broken, and so I'm giving you the direct number to the conference, and that is 319-527-3864. 319-527-3864. If you would like to sound off, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say this morning. And uh, you can, uh, you know, we got the the last few minutes here where we can discuss this and uh uh, this and anything else that's going on in your life, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Again, 319-527-5864. With this hour of the program being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. SatelliteWest.com is where you can find them, and they are your they are your experts on communications in the last frontier, whether it's uh, you know uh, email or text messages or cell phones or even internet all via satellite um, and uh, the Iridium Satellite Network and everything else, right there, uh, SatelliteWest.com is where you go um, um, 
uh, on the uh, on the thing there. Okay, um, so I'm looking forward to talking. Chris said next week he's going to come on board a little early and he'll talk with us about the whole election thing and all that and uh, and how to deal, how not to be bitter. Because it's hard. It's hard not to be bitter. It's hard not to be bitter when you get stung. I mean, we were talking earlier about how I supported Governor um, Bill Walker when he ran for governor the first time. And then the second time, right up to the point to where he joined forces with Vince Beltrami and the whole Democratic machine. And then I got upset about it. Um, And it's hard not to be bitter with people like that. It's hard not to be bitter. Uh, I was very bitter with Don Young uh, at one point because of the answers that he gave. And then he got, you know, grumpy and then never wanted to appear on the program again. And I just, again, it's hard when you get stung by those things. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard not to be bitter. Um, the landmine, Alaska landmine had, uh, 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 mentioned me in one of their, their, their Sunday blog here this weekend that, you know, Charlie Pierce is, is not going to make it as the governor and there's going to be things that comes out and he's a bad man and all this other stuff. And, and you're just going to look dumb Dukes. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. All I can do is go off the publicly available information and what people tell me. Uh, Does that mean that I might look dumb in the future? Yes, absolutely. Will I be bitter about it? Possibly. How How do I deal with that? How do I deal with that? I'm just getting to that point to where I'm again. Politics is um, is is a painful, painful thing sometimes, and you've got to learn how to deal with it. And uh, hopefully, Chris will hopefully Chris will uh, uh, be able to give us some insight next week on that. Coming up tomorrow on the program, State Senator Mike Shower will be joining us. Um, also working on the. Um, uh, candidate uh, down in uh, Homer, um, and I'm reaching out to Doug Massey's campaign as well again because I'd like to have some more. I'd like to have some more one-on-one information from some of these candidates um, and see what uh, you know. See what they have to say directly. We're going to have a lot of candidates on here over the next uh, over the next few weeks as we come up to the general election in November, which is not too far away. I mean, we're talking. It's less than what eight weeks, ten weeks away. Nine weeks, something like that. We are we are coming down to the wire, folks, um, and so we're going to try and get as many folks on as we can. Let's uh, continue ahead here. We'll go over to the phone line, see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Michael. This is Cindy calling from Sterling. Hello, Cindy. What's on your mind? Hey, I'm just uh, calling to mention that tonight Charlie Pierce's final assembly meeting. And um, I think it's important that people on the peninsula keep the, the assembly in check on um, making sure that we have some solid leadership down here. Charlie's leaving the office better, or the, the borough better than he found it. There's $30 million in the bank. We have um, just a wonderful place to live down here. I've, I've lived in other parts of the state. It's, it's it's really um, a privilege to live down here. So I think it's important that people just and um, you know keep keep their eye on the assembly and what they're doing and the leadership down here because um, we're losing a lot as Charlie walks out the door. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Charlie mentioned it last week when he was on the program. I mean, he's leaving the, you know, they had a deficit when he got started. Now they've got not only do they have a $30 million balance in their in their fund, they've also were able to drop the property taxes and do some other things, reduce the size and scope of government, make a bunch of improvements in the school system and the buildings and the maintenance and everything else. I mean, there's a lot of positives there. And so you're right. It's uh, kind of sad that he's leaving uh, that he's leaving government service. But at the same time, if you can leave any place better than how you found it, I call that a measure of success that, uh, that uh, you know, you should be proud of. And I agree. You know, I have only been involved with this whole um, scene for just a couple, just probably a couple months. I mean, I've followed it a long time. But one of the things that I think is the most refreshing thing about Charlie is he actually listens. I mean, I was on a war path because I, I, one of my pet peeves in this state is child protection, uh-huh. that our children, like in need of aid, they are um, stepchildren in the state of Alaska. And, you know, when I talked to Charlie about it, he, he engaged, he's listened, it's, it, uh, he's read stuff that I sent him. And um, I think it's important that that we, as uh, residents of the state, that we um, we keep our leaders in check. And um, so um, that's what I have this morning. Thanks again for letting me take the airwaves. Well, thank you, Cindy, for calling in. I appreciate you being part of the program today. Uh, it was good to hear from you. Thank you so much. Um, all right, folks. Well, we are up against it. Uh, we're out of time for today. Uh, I guess that means uh, we'll uh, come back tomorrow with another beautiful day well i guess cloudy day i mean where did all the daylight go it's dark when we start the show now and it's just barely light now i guess we're we're into that secret season (laughs) oh man i can't uh, i can't wait all right my friends well we appreciate you being part of it we appreciate you coming in and joining us We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow right here on The Michael Duke Show. Don't forget, you can always pick up the podcast if you missed anything. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and all those other places. Be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right. Yeah, I mean, the only consolation is that it's darker in Fairbanks than it is here. That's the only consolation for me. (laughs) All you folks living up in the interior, boy, you guys are diehards. I mean, I appreciate you so much. I just appreciate the fact that I'm not living up there anymore. I, I mean, I love Fairbanks. Don't get me wrong. Great people. Glad I'm down here. Uh, it's, it's all good. Um, anyway, I uh, I will see you guys here. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at some of the comments here real quick. Uh, she has to... <laughs> Barbara said she has to have lights on her campaign signs. Yeah, I remember that for sure. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for being part of it. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 